Hello, thanks so much for tuning in to our podcast. I'm Michael Grant, Senior Pastor of Faith Worship Center International right here in Columbus, Georgia. With harvest season approaching, God has impressed upon my heart to remind the people of God the importance of using our faith to reap His harvest. As a matter of fact, I'd like to share with you this new series entitled Faith for the Harvest. I believe it's gonna be a big blessing to you. So grab your Bibles, Prepare to take great notes and let's dive into the word together. Belief is powerful. Belief is a tool. We call it faith. Faith is a tool that God has granted us. More importantly, it's, a, it's a, a, an ability, a gift. It's a many thing, a multifaceted thing, but it is the thing whereby God is ultimately pleased with the actions of his believers. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's a bit of an oxymoron because the Bible also says that nothing is impossible with God. With man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And yet the only way that those possibilities become possible is that we tap into the impossible by way of our faith. And so God has been telling us this month that we must have faith. We must have faith. We must possess faith. We must have faith, but not for ourselves alone. We must have faith for the harvest. And God has been giving us great instruction to understand that we have the ability to, to be soul winners. I love the, the gospel of Luke where he talks about in Luke chapter number 10 where there's increase in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Can I talk with you for a little while? If you're looking for a preacher, you might need to go down the street. I'm a son of my father and I like to talk with my other brothers and sisters. <laughs> now, mind you, I will insert that sometimes I get excited and I preach, but I just want to get the message across to you today. Is that okay? And so, and so Luke pins the testimony, the gospel that Jesus, his ministry is growing in chapter 10. A beautiful scenario where it's grown from 12 to 70. Somebody say overflow. And those 70, he didn't just uh, bring them into his fold so that they could be disciples in a way that they're just sitting and listening to what he's saying. But he has imparted. Somebody say impartation. Impartation is a powerful element in the body of Christ because impartation is the art or the act of receiving some of the spiritual abilities that God himself possesses so that we earthlings, we who are humans, hewed out of the essence of who God is, can stand in the earth and act like our daddy somebody ask your neighbor who's your daddy <laughs> you might not know who your earthly father is but I'm grateful that I have a heavenly father who hewed me out of his presence and imparted his ability on the inside of me so that when men see me they say oh my God no not me not me your God oh my father is your God but when you see me move you see the essence of who my father is moving as I'm walking up and down the aisles and you sense the word of God being released it's because you sense the presence of my father the impartation of the word has been released in and through me so that you can receive it so that you can have the ability to access all that God has in store for you somebody say there's power in impartation 
And so these 70 that Jesus has added unto his ministry in this time of harvest, in this time of harvest, they have grown and they have been imparted unto and he's sending them out to, to do more work. Funny how many churches in the present day and age, they want to add to their church so the church will look big. So they'll seem like they're important in the city. And somebody's, you know, oh, I want to be a part of that church because they have a lot of people. They have a lot of members. But my question is not how many members do you have, but how many sons do you have? How many sons of God are living, moving, and breathing? How many folk getting God kind of results sitting in them pews? Because a lot of people can come because they want him, but how many of you come because you know you got him and you want to keep being stirred up in the essence of who God has called you to be? So these 70, they're not merely followers of Christ. They are sons that have received impartation and they're going out into the highways and the hedges and they're calling uh, souls to be saved. They're breeding deliverance in the lives of other people. And then they come back excited around verse number seven. They're really excited because they say, Jesus, look at all of this work that's being done. When we lay hands, demons, they tremble when we speak. He says, don't get too excited about those low level devils. They got to obey you anyway, because you were created to rule the earth, not them. Tell somebody if the devil tries to take an attack on your house, uh, let them know, let them know this. He wasn't created to rule your house in the first place. So he is out of his jurisdiction. When the devil tries to attack your body, tell him this is my body. You ain't got no business touching my body. Somebody say no means no. Don't put your hands on my body don't you touch my physical body and don't you touch nobody that's a part of my household that's because you got authority and he said don't get too excited about that little authority that you got over them but be more excited because your name is written in the lamb's book of life be excited that right under jesus it says michael right under jesus it says it says demetrica right under jesus it says marcus right under so he sees you as a son. He sees you as a daughter. He sees you as an authority figure that you have authority to reign, rule in the earth. So get excited about that. And we see it's a beautiful thing that Jesus starts having this conversation with them about those types of things that's going on. And so in this time, he begins to stir them concerning uh, not just being settled with, with being known as a thing, but get stirred to a place that they act because of who they are. We'll say that one more time, that they don't get excited merely about being called a thing but they get stirred to act upon who they are. We live in a time where people love to say things. They throw around titles. They throw around uh, 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 um, uh, names as if they're somebody because they get this high off of prestige or being impressed by uh, pomp and circumstance. Uh, we live in that day and age now where everybody calls themselves a, a pastor. Everybody calls themselves an apostle. We toss names and titles around as if they're free. They like certs. If your breath stank, pop, get one. You just freshen it up and you feel real good everybody thinks they somebody but nobody's willing to do the work that comes with being a thing yeah 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 if you want to be called an, an apostle if you want to be called more importantly a believer then you ought to be willing to put forth effort that comes with the title and so around uh, uh, verse number 30 Jesus begins to give them this example of this guy he's called a Samaritan we call him the good Samaritan and uh, and he's he's called the good Samaritan Samaritan not because of the fact that he is labeled as good but because he's found doing something good on the contrary uh, it's it's unique in this text though and I'm going somewhere today somebody say I believe I do, I do. say it again say I believe I, believe. I do 
I'm going to read here where Jesus is talking. He's giving them a parable. He says, a certain man went out in verse number 30 of Luke chapter 10. This is the gospel of Luke. We understand that Luke is pinning not what he saw, but what he has received the testimony of. And he says, and Jesus answered unto a certain man, went and down to from rather Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Is there anybody in here who went through a trial in life and life just left you half dead? They thought that it was over. They thought that they would count you out and they just, it looked like it wasn't ever going to turn around. Somebody say, but God, <laughs> but God, who's rich in mercy, who has all power, who's the restorer of all things good. He pulled you out of the muck and mire and he gave you life and he put you back on a high place. You might not be where you used to be, but thank, thank God that you're not in a place where you're dead. You've come out of that old place and you're on your way back to your purpose. Matter of fact, I prophesy to somebody in here, you've lost some things, you've suffered some lack, you've endured some, some ridicule because of some of the things that you encountered in your past. God said, this is your season of restoration. He says, this is your time to be restored. He says, don't you look back to the way that things were. Only look forward. For forward is promotion. Forward is prosperity. Forward is increase. Forward is what I have in store for you. So don't you be weary in your well-doing for you're about to reap just because. Somebody say, just because. Y'all getting me all off topic. Hallelujah. That enemy left you half for dead. The enemy should have killed you when he had the chance. He should have made sure that he stomped you. Some of us grew up with roaches in our house, right? And so you know, if you don't stomp them roaches good enough, they'll wiggle that, shake that thing off, and keep on moving. That devil should have stomped us twice because we come from that roach mind mentality. He said, if you don't kill me, baby, i shake you off and i get all my people to come with me. Somebody say, somebody say, he should have killed me when he had the chance. He should have killed me. <laughs> God will use anything to get the message across. <laughs> Some of them water bugs. That's what if, you, if you're from a proper place, water bugs. You know those brown water bugs. They're large and they show up when it's most inopportune time. Yeah, but they left him half for half dead. Uniquely, we're talking about God empowering his people. I believe I do. And he said, Jesus said, uh, um, he, his, they left him for half dead. Watch this. And by chance, there came a certain priest, a certain what? I'm in verse number 31 of Luke 10. And by chance, it just so happened that it came down a certain what? A priest, by the way. And when he saw him, he being the priest, saw him, him being the man who was beaten, wounded, and left for half dead. He passed by on the other side. Somebody say, hmm, that's strange. Uh, verse number 32, it says, and likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, the very same place, came and looked on him, took time to see what was going on, looked at him to see his situation, to see his circumstance. Bible says, and passed by on the other side. Strange how these people who have titles, these people who are supposed to be those who are soul winners, these who are known as prestigious people in the body of Christ, they call themselves of saints every time the doors of the church open they front row beating the ushers down to get a seat but when they in the street not the seat but the street it's easy to act right when you're in the seat but what about when you're in the street when they're out in the street, they see people who are hurting. They see people who are in need. They see people who are misfortunate, and they see, look at their situation, and they pass by on the other side. I feel sorry for you, child. 
And so it's strange that you have the title. Priest is the one who's supposed to go before the Lord on behalf of the people. Levite is the one who's supposed to keep the tabernacle prepared so that when the people come in to worship, they can have a place where they can be received of the Father so that they can go forward. Whether they are, watch this now, whether they're in a fallen state or whether they are in a redeemed state, because they are an Israelite, they have access to come boldly before the throne of grace. Talking Old Testament here, Old Testament. Make sacrifice on behalf of their shortcomings. But instead, these who call themselves priests, who call themselves leaders in the church, who call themselves believers, they pass by looking on the other side and don't assist those who have need. Jesus said, I just empowered you. I imparted you with my ability. How is it that you as believers can find yourself as the priest who's passing by the other side, as the as the Levite who's passing by the other side? And you have been trained to give answer to those who are in need. Goes on to read and he says, but a Samaritan found himself, by the way, that Samaritan word is really important. Jesus is really driving this point home because when it comes to Jews and Samaritans, they don't like each other. They don't fool with each other. And so we find this man who we believe to be a Jew. He comes from Jerusalem on his way to Jericho. And there's a Samaritan that's coming by. A Jew has already passed him by. And he is a priest, a Jew, another Jew who is a Levite has already passed their fellow kinsmen by. And yet there's an enemy of the state coming by. Who has no connection to this brother. But he sees him in a low state. Takes him in. Helps him. He binds up his wounds. The Bible says if you read it in your own time. He assists him. Matter of fact. He takes him to a local inn. And he pays a tab. And he says listen. I got him in a stable place. But I got to go. So I'm going to leave some money here. To pay whoever going to see to it. That he can make sure that he's coming. And if he don't make it out by tomorrow. Next time I come through town. Just let him stay as long as he need to. I'll make sure that his bill is covered. And he's called Jesus. Jesus asked the question, which of these was a good neighbor? Which of these did the right way? Of course, we know the text tells us that the, the, the good Samaritan is the one who is acknowledged as the good one. Watch this. The one who was the, the, the drama raiser. I want to say it like I want to say it. <laughs> the one the one who the one who was the mess maker, the one the, the, the one who was the racist. I'm going to talk Columbus terms with y'all now because y'all like to act like we're not in the South and you want to act like we like each other all the time and we want to act like, you know, we always love each other. We love our brother, but sometimes when our brothers have a different shade than we have, we start acting real shady. And so this Samaritan who should have been the enemy of the man who was laying by the wayside, he acted the most like the God of the one who was by the wayside. Listen to this. What am I saying? What you do will speak much louder than who you tell people you are. That's what, that's what I want to see. You got to see this today. What you do will speak much louder than who you tell people that you are. You can tell people all day that you save. You can tell people all day that you are a minister in the Lord's church. You can tell people all day that you go to Faith Worship Center. But when the rubber meets the road is when there's an opportunity for you with your saved, ministerial, Faith Worship Center going self, get an opportunity to show forth the love of God, to be a good, a good Samaritan to someone who's in need. If you don't step up to the plate, 
manipulate and show it, then you 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 are you become as almost an enemy to the to the mission that God has set us all to to, to fulfill as believers in the body of Christ. So it's not what we say, it's what we do. Somebody say, I believe. I do. That saying, if you think about it, it's, it's almost a, a, a statement of uncertainty, right? If someone asks a question and they respond by saying, I, I believe I do, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a bit of an oxymoron because you're firmly stating that something is the way that it is, but you're prefacing it by saying, I'm really not sure. And you're using a word of confidence called belief and a state of uncertainty. So there's a whole bunch of confusion in that statement. I believe I do is how it should be stated. But how we utilize that statement is, I, I believe I do. I believe I am. You going to the store, we going to get something to eat after church? I believe I am. Right? You going you to be at Bible study this Tuesday? I, 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 believe, I believe I am, Pastor. I believe I am. Lord willing. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> just in case everything don't go right just in case something come up I, I, I believe I will now we need to shift that statement we need to shift that, that affirmation to, to be what it really says I believe I do since I believe I do since I am a believer then I'm going to act the way that the, the term belief speaks that a believer should act since I am a soul winner if I'm a, a laborer in the kingdom of God then when you see me you're going to see me laboring in the kingdom you're not going to see me walking by a wayward soul just because they don't act the way I act and we can be funny and play church for we know how to shake our hands and we know how to do our dance but the reality of the matter is when the rubber meets the road when a life is in need that's when we're believers are supposed to be at our best that's when believers are supposed to be at our best but sometimes we don't practice our belief and so when it's an opportunity that comes we don't have the faith to be not an oxymoron we don't have the faith to be who God has called us to be. Faith, divine persuasion, confidence, conviction. We don't have the conviction that if we act, God is going to be there in, a, in agreement with us and show up on our behalf. I want to show you the picture of it, okay? Can I, can I do a visual aid? Y'all know I like to do visual aids. Uh, let me see. I need a little one. I wonder, Aaron, Eric, excuse me, our youngest son, he said he wanted to help me preach today. I didn't tell him that he could, but he look at him. He already ready. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Y'all celebrate Eric as he comes. Appreciate your help, big man. So I want to show you what it looks like when we uh, don't practice our faith, okay? All right, so you back up right here. Everybody say, hey, Eric, can you tie your shoe? You want to tie your shoe for me? Tie your shoe. He's going to start all the way over. So while he's getting his shoe ready, um, yeah, yes, ma'am, they are. While he's getting his shoe ready, uh, I want you to think about situations that you've gone through in your in your past where you have been confident in yourself as opposed to situations in your past where you have not been confident uh, or situations in your past where you knew you would need the help of God and perhaps either you acted on faith or you did not act in faith okay so here's the example Eric do you think you can jump over this podium are you sure let me see you do it Ooh, all right, give him a big cheer, all right. What if I put it up like this? 
Do you think you can jump over this? If I run farther, if I run farther, I like that. If I let you stand right here, could you jump over it? What? You want to try? He said, I don't even want to try. Thank you so much, buddy. Stand right here as I hug you. Now, you're just being the example, right? We're not talking about you. We're letting you show everybody an example, okay? Here's how we tend to approach things in life. This is the same podium that he just jumped over. Nothing has changed about its makeup. It's only a different perspective. And it looks like something that you overcame with ease and no help in past times. It looks insurmountable because of the position that it's now in. But the thing that faith does is the Bible declares that faith moves the heart of God. Faith causes supernatural to be placed on top of natural, but it only takes place when we act, when we believe and do. Here's what's the case. We are so accustomed to God moving. Jump over there if you would, please. God moving in situations in, in, that are easy and we say, oh man, jump over the other side. We say, man, life is good. Eternal life is better. Jump back over there. And we get so accustomed to this low level stuff where God is not even involved one more time where you're doing this all by yourself but calling it God that's why we gotta jump one more time that's why we gotta make sure and not give God credit for stuff that we've done oh I know that I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that don't sound right but see when we start when we do things and we say oh bro, praise be to God of course God made you but you did that and make it clear one more time that when you do things that's you but there are things that take place in your life where you gonna need the help of God. Can you come in for me, Elder? God the Father. Because if I ever see my son in a situation where there's an obstacle in his way, I'm gonna make sure that this obstacle don't overtake my son. So all I'm going to ask you, Eric, my son, is to give the exact same amount of effort and I promise you that you're going to jump over this. You ready? One, two, three, jump. We must have confidence. Good job, buddy. Celebrate Eric. We must have confidence in our Father, faith in our God, not in ourselves, have faith enough to just act on what God is telling us to do. Other problem is we try to jump over obstacles God, the Father, ain't told us to jump over. We taking on battles that ain't got nothing to do with our purpose. We're taking on opportunities that God has clearly told us that is not for you. We're even engaging in things that God has clearly told us shun the very appearance of that. And then we find ourselves stumbling over obstacles and our faith is mitigated. We must have confidence. Faith is a powerful tool. 
faith. It took faith for Abraham when he was going up that mountain in Genesis chapter number 22. When he heard the father tell him, Abraham, Abraham, take your son, your only son. And I want you to bring him up to the top of the mountain that I'll show you. And I want you to give him as a burnt offering to me. It took faith for Abraham to do what God told him to do. But he had confidence. I love what Abraham said. He took his, his uh, servant men with him and he, they stood at the bottom of the mountain. He said, y'all stay right here at the bottom of the mountain. This lad and I are going to go up to the top of the mountain to worship God. And I love the last words he said, and we shall come again. He says, he goes on up the mountain with Abraham. Somebody say, trust what God said. He went on up the mountain and he took his son with him. And Isaac even looked like daddy, God Almighty. We got the wood. We got the fire. You got the knife. But where's the lamb that you're going to sacrifice unto God? Abraham stood flat-footed in the face of his nervous son wondering what it was going to be. And he told him, son, God will provide for himself a lamb. Here's why. Because it took a little faith for, or a measure of faith for Abraham, for Abram to leave his fathers, his kinmen, and step out on faith to go to the land. But when God gave him the promise, it took a greater level of faith so he could couldn't accomplish this he said God I'm trusting that you're going to lift me above this obstacle and you're going to get me to where I need you to go here's the thing that God wants you to see and leave this place knowing without a shadow of a doubt if God has told you to do something if he has assigned something to your life do not doubt do not waver in faith and don't operate in your own ability trust your father have faith to do what he said and he's going you're going to take him at his word and whatever he said he is faithful and just to fulfill his promise I just want to encourage you because the Bible says that Abraham was so committed to what God said that he had knife in hand he I don't I don't know how the Bible doesn't even record how he bound that young fella now you see Eric right where's Aaron in the resource room okay give me another teenager here oh Cam come on Cam Cam like man me every time I come up in here. I want y'all to see what a lad looks like because Eric was a was a, is a seven-year-old. Cam, how old are you, big man? 14? Basketball player, football player. Abraham goes up the mountain with one of these. <laughs> Roll tide. <laughs> Somebody said, nah, nah, nah. oh, they rolling. <laughs> Some kind of way, we don't know it. But Abraham's fools, can I put your hands behind your back? I'm not going to tell you. Fools Isaac into tying his hands, laying him down on the altar at this phase of life. That's a level of trust. That's a level of confidence. That's a level of confidence for Isaac to trust God. Because he knew that if his father said that God was going to provide himself a lamb, I don't care how close my earthly father gets to killing me. My heavenly father's got my back. Wow, what a message. What a word just from God, straight from heaven just for you. I hope you were blessed by that message. Listen, you've done your part. You've invested in yourself spiritually. And so I encourage you to look for a great harvest to burst forth in your life. I encourage you to not let it be occasional, but be consistent with investing in yourself. So be sure and tune in with us next time. We look forward to you fellowshipping with us via this podcast. Between now and then, be sure and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Michael Grant Ministries. You can follow us on Twitter at MG Ministries. And be sure and check out our website, www.michaelgrantministries.net. Until next time, thanks again. And remember, stay strong in the faith.